Good morning. It's great for the opportunity to be here this morning. I want to say thank you very much for the support and prayers you have given, sent our way uh, since we've been there over a year. Can't believe it's been a year, over a year already. I want us to think about the Israelites. The Israelites are in bondage in Egypt. God sends a deliverer to them, Moses, and he promises them that he was going to take them to a land that floweth with milk and honey. God in that the Red Sea displays his power. He displayed his power in Egypt with overcoming the gods of Egypt and the plagues. He displays his power as they're going through the Red Sea. At Mount Sinai, he shows his power again and delivers them the law. They head north. They go to the edge of the promised land. The land right there at Kadesh Barnea. They're almost there. And in Numbers chapter 14, they send in 12 spies. Those spies come back. They say, it's, it's great. It's just like what God said. The, the grapes, the clusters are huge. Everything is just like God said. It's a land that floweth with milk and honey. But ten of those spies, they were scared. They were scared of the men that were there. They said, we can't defeat them. Two of them, Josh and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, knew that God was on their side. And because of their disbelief, because of their fear of the men and not God, they didn't go in. They fell short. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They fell short. It says they came short of their goal. They were almost there. One more step in a sense, and they would have been at the promised land. But they didn't have a proper fear. That word fear is the same word used in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31, where it says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. They had a fear of man and not of God. And because of that, they did not heed his word. And they fell short. Those that decided to go in against God's command, they died. The rest spent 40 years in the wilderness to just to die. God, or the writer of Hebrews here, is giving us a warning to not fall into that same example of unbelief. Go to verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. We have a promised land, don't we? 1 John chapter 2, and verse 25, it says, And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. We have a hope of eternal life. We have a hope of heaven. But we can also fall short, just like the Israelites did. Thus, we need to heed the Word of God. Look at verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This morning, we're going to look at three things of why we should heed the word of God. Number one, it is quick. Number two, it is powerful. And number three, it is sharp. Number one, the word of God is quick. The word quick means to live, to breathe, to be alive. Notice in the reading in New King James, it says it's living. That's exactly what this word means. It means it's living. It's not dead. 
That same word is used in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 where it describes our God as being the living God. Our God's alive, isn't He? He's not dead. Neither is His Word. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. What is corruptible things? They deteriorate. They disappear over time. But the Word of God is not corruptible, but as an incorruptible seed by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. That word incorruptible is translated in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 as immortal. How many times throughout history has man tried to get rid of the Word of God? They've burned Bibles. They've killed men that have tried to translate the Bible into languages that man could read. But guess what? It's still here, isn't it? Why is that? Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The word of God is living. It is not going to go away. Why is that? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished. Unto all good works. It talks about the word inspired there. The word inspired is a two part. It means God and breathed. Where else have we seen that phrase God breathed? Well in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 7. When God took from the dust of the earth and formed man. What did he do? He breathed into him. The breath of life. It is powerful. The breath of God is powerful. The breath of God gave us physical life. But the breathed out word of God gives us spiritual life. John chapter 6 and verse 63. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. How do we know that the word of God is the breathed out, his, his breathed out word? Go with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1 and verse 20 and 21. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any in private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That word moved there means to be brought along. They, this was not their words. God used their vocabulary. God used them to speak His words. We'll look at an example. We could spend a lot of time looking at inspiration, but let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 7. Ezekiel 2 and verse 7. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. Now jump over to chapter 3 in verse 26 and 27. And I will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth. And thou shalt be dumb, and thou shalt be not be a, to them a reprover, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear. He that forbeareth, let him forbear. For they are a rebellious house. The words that Ezekiel spoke were not his words. They were the words spoken through God. God inspired, moved him along. 
He used his vocabulary. He used his speech. Think about 1 Peter. This is important. Why? Because 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. Verse 10 through 12. 1 Peter 1. 10 through 12. Of which salvation the prophets, having inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The prophets desired to understand who they were writing about. Think about Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 53, writing about Christ. He's wondering, who is this man I'm writing about? When is he going to come? They didn't know. Why is this important? Because it wasn't their words. Many today try to tell us that the word of God was just written by a group of men that were religious. But it's not. It is the God-breathed out Word of God. Luke chapter 10, verse 16. He that heareth you, heareth me. Jesus told His disciples. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. The words that they wrote down, if we reject His words, these words, we reject Christ. Since the Word of God is living, because it's inspired, breathe that Word of God. What does that mean to us? Well, I really like how the Word of God is described in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, in the parable of the sower, God, uh, Jesus said, the seed is the Word of God. Think about a seed. If I laid it on the edge of this podium, and we came back a week from now, a year from now, uh, several years from now, what's it going to be? still sitting there it looks dead many say the word of god is dead but if you take that seed and you plant it into fertile ground then a short period of time what it brings life when the word of god is planted into the heart of a man who is honest a person that is honest and accepts it it brings forth fruit luke chapter 8 and verse 15 the word of god is not dead it is living why should we heed the Word of God? Because it's the living Word of God, breathed out from God, that's going to last forever. But not only is the Word of God quick, but the Word of God is powerful. The word powerful is defined as active or at work. This is the word, the Greek word, is where we get our word energy from. That means that the Word of God is full of energy. It will do everything God intended it to do. It is strong and powerful. Think about how powerful the Word of God is. Psalm 33, verse 6 through 9. The psalmist says that God spoke this world into existence. In Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 3, being in the brightness of His glory, in the express image of His person, upholding all things. By the word of his power, but by himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the glory, majesty on high. Upholdeth all things. This, the word of God spoke everything into existence. And it upholds everything. 
Think about the power that's in the Word of God. Since the Word of God did create all things, do you think that it is able to save our souls? We read in the Word of God what we need if we obey what is there, how to be saved from our sin. Think about Paul. Paul in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Paul understood the power of the gospel, didn't he? He saw it happen in his life. Go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Go to Acts chapter 9. Go to Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26. Paul describes the life that he had before. But look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15. Look what Paul says to Timothy. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul looked at himself as a chief of sinners. He knew the things that he had done before. The life that he lived was not pleasing to God. But notice verse 16. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all unsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Paul's saying, I found mercy. I found grace. I'm a pattern for those that follow. The Word of God has what we need, shows us what we need to be forgiven of our sin. It has God, the spoken word of God tells us that we can have, how we can have forgiveness of sins. Think about the Christians in Acts chapter 2. Not the Christians, the Jews in Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up with the eleven and preaches a gospel sermon about how they had crucified just weeks before the Messiah that they've been looking for. And in verse 37, when they had heard what they had done, they said unto, they now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered and said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of eternal life. They have, they knew, Peter told them what they needed to do to receive remission of sins. There's a plan laid out in the Word of God that can show us how to be forgiven. That is the power. There is, we have to have faith, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, by hearing the Word of God. Once we have that faith, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. We believe that through Him we can go to heaven, John chapter 14 and verse 6. Then we have repentance. We will repent of our sins. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts chapter 8 and verse 13. We repent of our sins, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Then we confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to earth and died for us. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And then we are baptized, immersed for the remission of our sins, as we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. That plan is laid out for us, how we can have forgiveness of our sins. But not only can it show us how to forgive, be forgiven of our sins, but it is active in that it shows us how to transform our lives. Romans chapter 12 in verse 2. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is that acceptable, good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word transformed is an interesting word. It means to be transfigured. Think about Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. When he went up on that mount, Peter, James, and John was with him. There, Jesus changed. His, he was bright, shining with glory. His cloak was as snow, white as snow. He was changed from what he was before. He was transfigured. He was transformed. We can transform our lives by following what we find in the Scriptures. It's all laid out for us. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Everything we need is written right here. Everything we need to transform our lives. Go down to verse 5 through 8. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make, the, make you neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We add these things to our life. We can be that complete man of God. As 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 17 stated. The Word of God is active. It's powerful. It shows us how we can transform our life. Not only that, is able to correct. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. It is able to correct. It's able to give direction. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word, have, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is powerful and it is able to fight the enemy in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. It is the sword of the Spirit. Why should we heed the Word of God? It's because it's full of energy. It's because it is able to accomplish everything that it is designed to do. But not only is the Word of God active, but the Word of God is sharp. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That word discerner there means to judge. The Word of God pierces the soul of man. Look at verse 13. Neither is there any creature... That is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him we have to do. The word there, to mean open, denotes the idea of being laid bare, uncovered, exposed. This comes from the, the, the idea of the priest. When a man would bring, or a person would bring their offering, that lamb, that lamb would be slaughtered, and then it would be opened up to look at the insides to make sure there was no disease, there was no imperfections on the inside before it was sacrificed. That's what it means to be laid bare. That's what the Word of God does to us. It lays us bare and open, exposed to God. We can live our lives fooling our friends. We can fool our family. 
our brethren, those closest to us. But we cannot fool God. The Word of God shows our true colors. Why should we heed the Word of God? Because it is able to lay bare the true intentions of every heart. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Here Moses was re-giving the law and showed to us how a king of Israel was supposed to be. Now not very many kings actually followed this. But in chapter 17, verse 18. Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. And it shall be when he, the king, sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of the law in a book, out of which is before the priests, the Levites. He is to have his own copy of the word of God, the law of God, by him at all times. Look at verse 19. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it therein all the days of his life. We are to have the word of God. They are to have the word of God with them, to read it, to know it. Do we have access to the Word of God? <laughs> Air in my hand. We have them on our phones, our tablets. It's everywhere. Computers. We should read it. We should know it. Why? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God. Something the Israelites didn't learn. They didn't have that proper fear of God. We read it to have the proper fear of God. To keep all the words of this law. And these statutes to do them. We know it. And we learn it. And we apply it to our life. Make it active in our life. Verse 20. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. That he turn not aside from the commandment. To the right hand or to the left. To the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom. He and his children in the midst of Israel. We are to know, to heed the word of God. I pray that we do not be like the Israelites in Numbers chapter 14, who did not fear, did not have the proper fear of God, did not heed the word of God. And because of that, those that were over the age of 20 didn't make it in. Let us make sure that we heed the word of God because it is living. It's not dead. It's a living word of God. That is able to save our souls. We need to heed the word of God because it is powerful. It is able to show us how we can be, have forgiveness of our sins. Remission of our sins. It also shows us how we can transform our lives. The word of God should be heeded because it is also sharp. Because it lays us open and bare to God. No, it shows the true intentions of our heart. Think about this. Our creator, our God, who created all things, who created the heavens, the earth, who created us, has spoken to us right here. Are we going to heed it? What are we going to do with what we read in the scriptures? Before we're on that path to heaven, towards that goal, let us make sure that we become a Christian. We've talked about the plan of salvation already. God has laid that out for us in the scriptures. We are to hear the word of God and gain faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. We are to believe 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. We are to repent of our sins, have a true repentance as is described in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Not a worldly sorrow, I'm sorry I've done that, but a true godly sorrow where I turn away from the things that I've done and go towards God. Then we are to have to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When we confess, we are stating, I know He's the Son of God. He is the authority in my life. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Then we are baptized into Christ. We go down into that watery baptism. We put off that old man. We rise up a new person, white as snow. Our sins are gone. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. And once we do that, we are added to the church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Where are you at today? Have you put on Christ in baptism? If you haven't, do not wait. As the song sings, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Or maybe you already are a Christian. And you have fallen short. You have not been staying on that path. Make your life right today. Don't put it off. Don't be like the Israelites who were almost there. They were at the... Kadesh Barnea, they could have went right into the land of promise, but they fell short. That's the warning given to us in Hebrews chapter 4, not to fall into their example. Make your life right today. Don't put it off. Whatever your need might be, come forward. Do it now as we stand, as we sing.